another and give a holy kiss to somebody around you. I said a holy kiss right there, guys. There we go. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Now tell somebody, I love you. Why don't you tell them, I love you. Let's say that all together. I love you. Now, if you could say that with a smile on your face. I love you. Okay, have a seat. Have a seat. That feels better, doesn't it? Hugs, love, kisses. Radical love. Three songs to grow by. I got to tell you, I, Marty, I don't think I've ever been introduced like that before in my life. I, I also have to say I don't remember all of that, but amen. I'm, I'm glad that you do. I, I, I will tell you there were only 300 students at the University of Florida and not 1,000, but obviously you have a problem with your mind also. I remember discipling Marty for a little bit that one summer. And I made the mistake of saying, let's let's wrestle. And it took about two seconds for him to put me on the ground and my back was down on the floor and we never did that again. He's just the kind of guy that likes to kick butt. I mean, that's just that's just Marty Fuquay. But it's great to be here with uh, Marty and Chris, of course, uh, knowing them for so many years, love them. Uh, so very, very much. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Mar Mary Kay and Reese. I've known them for many, many years, and they love the Lord, and they love you, and they love being here. And I'm getting to know Raphael uh, better and better and better, but the good news is I got to know uh, Grisella, and she's a whole lot better than Raphael, I tell you what. Um, but, you know, Raphael, I mean, he's always a happy guy. He's always smiling. Now, maybe I've just caught him at a good time each time I see him. But isn't that great? Why don't you, don't you appreciate having leaders like these guys? And I know so many other people, too. It's also great. Uh, you know, my, my sister lives in the L.A. area, and uh, she and her husband, Bob, are with us today. So I'm fired up about that. I don't know. There was a guy that I invited to come last night at the hotel named Connor. I'm not sure that he made it. Connor, I, any, any, anywhere? We got his name and number. Follow up. USC, some of you from USC students? Okay, you need to follow up with this guy. So uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be a good thing. That'll be a good thing. You know, your theme for the year happens to be the book that my wife and I uh, wrote last year, Radical, Radical Love, Ten, Ten Love Secrets. And uh, I hope that uh, you will get a copy. There's a lot in there that I think will be incredibly helpful uh, to you. There are a number of congregations that I know of that uh, are doing that uh, this, uh, this year, uh, different places around, around the world. Um, I do want to speak today about radical love, but I've entitled it Three Songs to Grow By. You know, if it's a workshop, we've got to have a little bit of fun today, right? And you guys like to have a little bit of fun? You obviously don't know what a tie is here. Uh, so I guess you just like to have a, a good time. Reese, what, you don't know what a tie is. You said you haven't worn one for years. 
Yeah, 20 years at least. Oh, my goodness. Well, come to the East Coast. We, we actually still wear ties uh, on the East Coast and thing. You don't want to go. Okay. I told my wife that if it was real warm and sunny out here, I might stay, and she has to come join me out here. But amen. You know, I want to speak today about radical love, three songs that grow by. You know, learning and growing and maturing spiritually, that is what it's all about. Can I have an amen on that one? You like to say amen? Okay, good. Just want to make sure. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It's a, it's a right thing. It's a needed thing. And to come into the year 2017, I can't believe it's 2017. Uh, but to think about, okay, we're, we've got new stuff ahead of us, great stuff ahead of us. God's got great plans for us. Uh, it's, it's a good thing to think about. I need to learn. I need to grow. I need to mature spiritually no matter where you're at. You may be doing the best you've ever done spiritually right now. That's awesome. You may not be doing too good spiritually right now. That may not be awesome, but that's okay. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It only matters where we're going to go tomorrow. And we've got decisions to make on our lives uh, day by day by day, but especially at times like this where we get to have uh, workshops. You know, God expects growth. God expects maturing. God expects and requires and even commands it. Look, if you would, over in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, it says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. It says, be taken forward to maturity. Don't you like that? Don't you want to move forward here, guys, in this year? As a congregation, as an individual, as, 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 as a family, moving forward to maturity is what it talks about. We must never be satisfied with just maintaining the status, the status quo. There's a little reading here about a fellow named uh, Sir Edmund Hillary that I'd like to, uh, to do. It says, Sir Edmund Hillary was the first person to climb Mount Everest. He did not make it. It is the tallest mountain in the world. He failed on his initial effort. On one occasion, he made a valiant effort and Parliament wanted to recognize him for it. They felt that he deserved the recognition. They put a picture of Mount Everest on the wall of their chambers. They invited him in. They stood as one, a standing ovation for the good effort that, uh, that, that, that he had made, Sir Edmund Hillary had made. As he walked to the front of the room to address Parliament, Tears welled up in his eyes. They were not the tears of happiness. They were not the tears of joy. They were the tears of anger and the tears of frustration. He did not set out to make a good effort to climb that mountain. He did not set out to leave five of his associates dead on the side of that mountain. He had set out to climb Mount Everest. He was at a crossroads in his life. He knew that if he accepted the accolades for making a good effort, that he would never climb that mountain. As he walked to the front of the room, he looked at that picture. He looked at those legislators standing and applauding for him. And he recognized something that many of us never recognize. And that was this. Yes, he had made a good effort. But the greatest enemy of excellence is good. 
He would not be satisfied with a good effort. He would only be satisfied by climbing that mountain. He walked to the front of the room. He looked at that picture of Mount Everest. He looked at those people standing there applauding. He literally walked over to that picture and he pounded on that inanimate object and he hollered at it and he screamed at it and he said, you defeated me once, but you will never defeat me again because you have grown all you can grow. But I am still growing. That's got to be our attitude for 2017. Amen, church. Let's say it together. I am still growing again. I am still growing. That's where God wants us to be. You know, uh, a lot happens in, in, in life, to say the very, very least. Growing has got to be an ongoing thing. Growing has got to be a consistent kind of thing. Now, I'm not sure of the makeup exactly of, of this church, of this group, but I know about the Northern Virginia church. Uh, we've got, we're, we're a relatively small church. Uh, we've grown from 140 disciples to 450 disciples in the last eight years. So we're excited about that. And we have more people moving away than moving in. And I hear that's sort of what happens around here a little bit, too. But we've got FBI. We've got CIA. We've got State Department. We've got Secret Service. You know, I've I got, I got people that are caring out there. And I go, well, I feel safe. I feel safe. I mean, we've got people from all the different branches of the armed forces, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the, the Air Force. And, of course, we got the teens and the singles and, and the marrieds and, 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 I mean, and people at all stages of life. We've got people that have been born in 50 different countries in what is a relatively small group. You know, we've got so many different disciples that have been baptized in the Christ in the last few years. And so we've got, we've got tons of young Christians right there. But we've got many that are 10, 15 years old in the Lord. And, of course, we've got people that are 20, 25, 30 years old in the Lord. For me, I was baptized in the Christ on September 24, 1973. So that's about 43 and maybe a half years ago right now. I got baptized in the Christ. I was, I was 17 years old. Don't do the math. I know some of you were right there. Don't do the math. Okay. But, you know, wherever we're at, wherever we've come from, whatever our age as a disciple, we must never be satisfied with just maintaining the status quo. I am still growing. That's the attitude. God is happy with us when we make progress. That forward movement, that spiritual growth from one degree of glory to another. Becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. That's what it's all about. Look, if you would, over in Hebrews 6 now, verses uh, 10 and 11. Let's read that together. It says, God is not unjust. Well, amen to that. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. 
We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. I love that passage right there. He says, show the same diligence to the very end. Now, God knows what each person in this room has done for him. But he says, show the same diligence to the very end. God knows all the sacrifices that have been made by each one of you. And yet he says, show the same diligence to the very end. God knows all of our challenges, all of our hurts, all of our disappointments in life. And yet he still says, show the same diligence to the very end. And in the end, it is your responsibility and your responsibility and your responsibility, each individual person's responsibility to get themselves to heaven. Now, I need a little bit more of an amen on that one. It's everybody's own responsibility to get themselves to heaven. Now, it's great we've got the church. It's great we've got one another. It's great that we get all the help. It's great. It's wonderful. But in the end, it's an individual responsibility to get yourself to heaven. It's your responsibility to do well spiritually. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends... As you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. That's the concept. That's the idea. That's what God wants. You've got to decide for yourself about your maturity in Christ. Maturity, growth, just won't happen because you go, I think I'll grow in 2017. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take openness. It's going to take discipling. It's going to take encouragement. It's going to take study. It's going to take God for us to grow and mature as he would have us be in 2017. And when we mature, when we are in that state of growing, And progressing. We are so happy as people. We're so filled up as people. We're so satisfied as people. We're so complete as people. Because God made us to feel that way. That's how we work as human beings. Today, three songs to grow by. The first song is Love Story. I will never forget falling in love with Kay. You've heard a little bit about her already from Marty. I still love her. I remember the first time I ever saw her. It was in a crowd at the Florida Evangelism Seminar, and we were passing classes. And, you know, I mean, I mean, it's like crowds in, this, in the hallway, and I was going one way, and she was going the other way. And I, I go, who in the world is that? And I figured, I'll never see her again. And then I remember the second time I saw her. I was serving communion. Now, you see, serving communion can be a good thing. You never know what can happen when you're serving communion on that. Because she had just driven up from Miami. She, was, she had actually just been baptized in the Christ a month earlier and, uh, and, and such. Blonde hair, blue eyes, great shape. 
Oh, come on. Don't look at me like you don't think about those things. Yes, I was attracted to her looks. But, you know, the deeper attraction is when you really get to know. When you really get to know a person full of life, happy personality, fun-loving, heart for God. Serious about her commitment to God. You talk about a changed life. life. I mean, agnostic, partying, sorority girl, now lover of God. Wow. Wow. February 8th, 1975 was our first date. I was a sophomore in college, but I was still 18 years old on our first date. Now, the funny thing is, is that I, I really didn't know her that well, but about a month before that, a brother had come up to me and said, let's, let's plan a double date. I said, sure, let's, let's do that. And that's a good thing to do, amen, guys, still. And uh, he said, well, who do you want to take out? I said, there's only two girls I'm interested in. He says, that's funny, there's only two girls I'm interested in. He said, who are you interested in? I says, Beth and Kay. He goes, those are the exact same girls. He said, well, who do you want to take out? I said, I don't care. I said, who do you want to take out? He said, I don't care. We flipped a coin. He took out Kay. I took out Beth. But you see, on double dates, you get to know the other girl, too. So double dating, it's got good things in it. Amen, guys? Anyway, my second date was about two, two months later. It was at an all-church, uh, all-day church play day or picnic. And uh, after that time together, I decided in my heart, after I, you know, let her out of the car and said goodbye and all of that, I said, she's the one for me. I never dated another girl after that. Wow, pretty good. She dated other guys, but that's okay. That's, a, that's, that's, that's another story for another time. That's another story for another time right here. And actually, she tells it different than me, but amen. I got the truth. I got the truth. Anyway, you know, you, you, know, you start falling in love. I mean, I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm almost we're going to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary in June. I'm pretty fired up about that. Wow, you know? But you think about the excitement of just when you're falling in love, the excitement of just seeing that person again, the, the joy of that next day, the joy of that time together, getting to know her, her likes and her dislikes, and, 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 and how she thinks and, 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 and what she thinks about. And, and I remember the first time that I told her, I love you. And I was scared to death because I'm thinking in my mind, what if... She just says thank you or doesn't say anything except mm-hmm. or I love you, too, like a brother. But it's pretty awesome. I said, I love you. And she said, I've been I've been waiting to tell you I love you, too. That was pretty awesome, guys. That was that was pretty awesome right there. Say the very least. And then doing whatever it takes to make that person you are in love with happy. I mean, poems. Not great poems, but poems. Cards, walks, talks, creative dates. Creative dates. That's just a nice way of saying cheap dates. 
creative dates, prayer, just to hold hands, just to hold hands. And then I remember coming down that aisle on our wedding day, white dress, and I thought to myself, I can't believe she loves me. That's what I was thinking. I can't believe that she loves me. Now, that's our, a little bit of our love story. And I'll never forget it. I'll always remember that. Now, to mature in Christ, you've got to remember your love story with God. Always you have to remember your love story with God. In Revelation 2, 4, it says, Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Here was a church. And there were individuals in spiritual trouble in this church at this time they were in spiritual trouble because they had lost their first love for god for jesus to mature it's the only way to mature you got to remember your love story with god you got to keep your first love you got to protect your first love the feelings the passion the commitment the joy the I can't wait to spend time together feelings just just to be near to God. I remember coming out of that water. And I thought when I came out of that water, I can't believe that God loves me. God loves me. We're going to show a little video here. Love Story by Taylor Swift. You might know the song. Now, uh, it's not one of her latest. We're not shaking it off or anything right here. But uh, as you watch this, remember the ultimate point here is remembering your love story with Jesus. Go ahead. I tear up every time I see that thing. All you guys that are married with your wives or husbands uh, right by you, stand on up. Stand on up, stand on up, stand on up. You can't, you can't watch a video like that and not want to kiss her. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, come on, Reese. That's the worst kiss I've ever seen in my life. You kissed her ear. Would you come back and show us how to really kiss your wife? Now we're talking. But the issue is we got to keep our love story with Jesus alive. Amen. The feelings, the passion, the commitment, the excitement, the joy. Always remember that. Number two, second song to grow by. Live like you were dying. Live like you were dying. I just turned 17 by a week. It was March 1973 as a senior in high school. And the doctor said there's something between your heart and your lung about the size of your, about the size of your fist. Had thoracic surgery. They cracked the chest open. And the doctor a little while later says we need to talk. You, you have cancer. You have Hodgkin's disease. Cancer of the lymph nodes. Say the least, with those words, I teared up. And uh, as he spoke, I was scared. 
There was a lot of tests after that, the bone marrow test, the dye pumping into my lymph node system, the needle between the toes, the incision on top of the foot to put all that stuff in, the laparotomy, which is another operation, sort of taking a piece of everything out of you to see how far the, the cancer is gone. Then there were rounds of radiation treatments. And uh, I would drive home from those and often have to pull over and be sick. I would be sleeping 18 to 20 hours a day. And I went down from 160 pounds to 117 pounds during that time. And I try to never let myself forget all the extra years that I've had. I mean, I've had extra 43 years right now. Not letting life just pass me by. To say, I've got to do something valuable. I've got to do something worthwhile with my life. To make an impact. To make a difference. To do something that lasts. To do something that's really important. Then I got reminded of that just a few months ago. About nine months ago or eight months ago, the doctor said, well, you've got a problem. And uh, you probably don't have longer than two years to live without surgery. And what it was, was my aortic valve was all messed up. And it was messed up from the radiation treatments 43 years earlier. And so about five months ago, I had open heart surgery. And the funny thing is, you think you can remember everything when you were 17 that is still vivid. It's not. But let me tell you, everything is really vivid from five months ago and open heart surgery. And what it says is, what is your priority? What is your life really all about? How many of you guys have seen the movie The Bucket List? Oh, go home and watch it. It's an awesome movie. I I just watched it again a couple of nights ago. Getting ready for this, you know, I had to watch the bucket list. It's a fun way to get ready for a sermon. The bucket list, a list of things you do before you die, before you kick the, before you kick the bucket. What are we really doing with our lives? Even as Christians, are we just caught up in the rat race? Are we really all that different than the world? You know, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. What are you really aiming at in this life for God? Life goes quick. It goes real quick. I mean, just a moment ago, I was 17 getting baptized in the Christ. Just a moment ago, I was 21 and getting married. Just a moment ago, I was 22 and we were having our first child. Just a moment ago, 12 years ago, first grandchild. Time goes so quickly. You need to make a list. And you need to be checking it twice. Actually, you need to check it every single week. What are a few specifics that by the power of God you want to get done in 2017? And I, certainly spiritual things, but, but some things where God just wants us to enjoy life too, guys. 
but a list of what you want to accomplish, a list of what you want to experience, a list of what you want to complete, a list of what you want to see in 2017. And then make a plan and go after it. And then everybody here, if you've never done this, you need to do it. Is go home. Take a day sometime. Take an evening sometime. Take, take, take a week and do this. Think about it. But make a list of the top 100 things you want to do before you die. What you want to accomplish. What you want to experience. What you want to complete. What you want to see. If you knew with certainty that you would die in five years, how would you change your life and your priorities and your use of time today? If you knew that you would die absolutely in one year, January 15th, 2018, if you knew that you would die in one year, how would you change your life, your priorities, your use of your time? If you knew you would die in six months, if you knew you would die in one week. It was an interesting exercise for me before I went into the hospital five months ago to write out the will, to make sure Kay knew where all the finances were. That wasn't a long list. And to write letters to my daughter and my son and my wife. And to write on there, if I die, read this. But if you knew that you would die in a week, how would you change your life? And that's how we're supposed to live every single day. Look, if you would, in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, in verse 13, it says, now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We're a mist. We're here for a little while. We are dying. We are dying from a physical sense. I want to watch this video, this song, with clips from the bucket list. Live like you were dying. Think about it. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went to Point Sanders. On a bull named Lady Mansion. And I love deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness. I didn't deny. going to have a radical love, you're going to mature, if you're going to grow spiritually, you got to live 
like you were dying. Third and final song to grow by is I Dreamed a Dream. You know, the first time I ever saw the musical Les Miserables uh, in New York, Broadway play, I mean, I was just moved emotionally to tears. It's a story with such an incredibly noble theme. You know, we all dream. We're all dreamers. And yet most people in this world let go of their dreams somewhere in life. And when we do, when you let go of the dreams, we die inside. We die inside. Life kills the dreams. We dream. You know, as a, as a kid, uh, I had a dream of being a rock star. Problem is, I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't play a musical instrument, but I listened to Rod Stewart and I said, if he can do it, maybe I could do it, you know? <laughs> then there was the pro football player phase, you know? Let me tell you, I played football in, in, in high school, I, all I did was get run over. That's about all that happened uh, out there on, on the field. And, and things. Maybe that's why I, I love the Patriots so much. And I know all of you must love them, too. Okay, moving on very quickly before I lose you right here. Then, of course, there was the movie star phase. And, of course, I know that, you know, here I am in L.A., you know, and, and things. But And we're to make those dreams God dreams, our dreams. The dream of purity in our lives. The dream of that loving marriage. That dream of that spiritual family. And the dream of an evangelized world. These are dreams that we are to adopt and to have as soon as we say Jesus is Lord. And for the world to be evangelized, the world has to be taught. Look in Hebrews chapter 5 for a moment. Hebrews 5, verse 12, it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. That was the issue right there with the Hebrew Christians that were turning away from, from Jesus. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers right there. Wow. How many times do we say Christianity is being like Jesus? Growing spiritually is becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, first and foremost, you know, Jesus was a teacher. He was a teacher of God's Word. You know, we are not... Now listen to me on this one. We are not mature if we are not an effective teacher of God's Word. Hold on to this one for a moment. We are not a mature Christian. You may have been around for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Not a mature Christian, if not an effective teacher of God's Word. It may not be our role to teach publicly, but it is everybody's role, according to this passage, to teach personally and privately. To teach God's Word effectively. This must be every disciple's dream. Dreams come true because you go after them. 
Every disciple, as quickly as possible, effective at teaching others the basics. That's what we're talking about, the basics here. Now, just a little note right here. Our job is not to convert others. Our job is to teach others. God will do the converting. Can I have an amen on that one? But we're to teach. Here it is. January. What's the date today? January 15th, 2017. Here we go. No more excuses. No more excuses, whether it be children or school or work or, 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 you know, I just don't have as much talent as so-and-so. No more letting fear stop us. No more letting past hurts and past pains deter us. No more letting actual or imagined failures in the church to make us feel justified. Many right here have taught God's word effectively in the past. But maybe you just haven't done it for a while. And it's amazing when you haven't done something for a while, how you lose confidence. And how easy it is to get into a bad habit of just not doing something. We've got to remember, it's God's word that's powerful. It produces faith. It's God's spirit that convicts of sin. It's God's son who saves And it's God who is in control. You can be an effective teacher of God's word. You just have to show up and try. God's spirit, God's power, God's love. You just have to show up and try. Here's a video of a woman who was simply willing to show up and try. She's older, out of work, unemployed. And her dream was to be a singer. Was that awesome, guys? You know, to have a radical love, to mature, to grow, you got to dream a dream. But, you know, you just have to show up and walk out there on the stage, as it were, the stage of life, and, uh, and try. I wish I could tell you about some of the different people that I've been able to study with over the last few years. I mean, a husband and wife, I will. Husband and wife in their 50s, both engineers. Husband and wife in their 50s, she's a retired banker. He's got top secret clearance and, and times he can't even tell his wife where, where he is in this world. Husband and wife in their 40s, she's a postal worker, she's a teacher. And then also their 17-year-old son was baptized into Christ just a little while ago. A husband and wife in their 50s, he's a federal judge. She's a, she's a medical doctor, was baptized in the Christ. Husband and wife in their 50s and 40s, uh, she's got secret clearance in IT. He's got top secret clearance. Uh, he was, uh, at the time that we converted him, teaching war tactics at Quantico. And, uh, you know, last, a few months ago, you know, before I had this surgery, I was working with this guy that he's 40 years old, single dad, uh, in the State Department security, and uh, he was baptized in the Christ. He's now in Djibouti, and today he flew from Djibouti just to be able to go to church, because there's no church in Djibouti. So he flew to Nairobi to be able to worship the Lord. Um, there are so many people that are open, amen? And we just need to walk out on that stage and, uh, and try. You know, God has given us an incredible incredible church. I want to read a poem that was written 
after an individual came to church for the first time. He entitled it, Was That Church? There must be some mistake, I thought, as I followed my friend into the auditorium, trying to get my bearings, maybe even comprehend what was going on. You said we were going to church. My mind shouted as I watched them all pour in, seemingly hundreds of happy people, all smiles and hellos. This gathering was about as somber as Mardi Gras. I didn't see any dour church-going faces, didn't see anyone comparing outfits. What the heck was going on here? These folks seemed almost related. They sat down right next to each other. Was this some kind of funky family reunion? Because it definitely wasn't church. Just as I was looking for candid camera, the music started kicking in. The singers flat out rocking their performance. The one in the middle looked like he might explode. (laughs) The people in their chairs were just as excited. I heard three or four impromptu harmonies. Everyone holding on to each other. I couldn't help it. I was feeling good. Then came a group of tag team preachers. Each one as pumped up as his predecessor. These men really believed what they were saying. I can spot a phony at 50 yards. I know I should have listened more closely to the words of the tag team preachers, but the way the congregation seemed to be connected by some invisible clothesline is what really kept me enthralled. It seemed like it was over in about five minutes. And I was thinking to myself as we were leaving, this will be the absolute first Sunday service I've ever left feeling better than when I went in. Someday, I'm going to summon the courage to ask my friend if that was really church that we attended. Because I've lived all over the world and I have never been to a church like that. That is our church, guys. Amen. Right now and for the rest of our lives, let's make it amazing for God. Let's make it amazing for our husband or for our wife. Let's make it amazing for our children. Let's make it amazing for ourselves. Radical love. I mean, let's go on to maturity. Three songs to grow by. Repeat. The first song was... Love story. Second song was? And the third song, dream. A dream. Let's do that. All to the glory of God. Amen.